Welcome to the Healing Space. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. How we navigate our mental health will look different according to whose story is being told. As we continue to heal through bipolar disorder, you'll now hear from composer and producer Jarrell Elgood. While not clinically diagnosed, his life journey has led him to believe that he is indeed bipolar. The journey of a uniquely gifted mind with very dark thoughts. Take a moment to listen to his story. Something may speak to you as well. And now, let's get healed. At what age did doctors first begin informing you that you may be bipolar? Um, I was first informed that I might be bipolar, that something was you know, wrong for me mentally anyways, around age 20. 21 um, when I was in college and it was the first time I also sought out help um, it was a free counselor um, psychologist available on on the campus to anybody um, I didn't have the money to actually go off campus and find that help um, but like I said that was age 20 21 and it was uh, precipitated I think by two really bad relationships well uh, emotional situations kind of relationships that type of thing what has kept you from getting a formal diagnosis the reason i haven't sought out a formal diagnosis from i guess psychologists i guess because it it leads to psychiatrists and i know that i'm not going to take medicine that's something that i don't want to do um just because my experiences with marijuana, I've felt changes in myself mentally. And so the prospect of doing it with man-made chemicals kind of, um, I've just seen changes in other people. And so I just try to, I guess, exhaust all options in terms of coping and managing. That's the, that's the, the biggest thing is trying to manage, not necessarily seek out a cure, but just try to manage what's going on. Um, there's more options besides medicine, in my opinion. Whether you're talking to people who give really good advice or people who are trained in giving really good advice, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, I always think that's effective. And there's other modes of therapy as well. So, what led to your first psychotic break? My first psychotic break was when I was, I guess, maybe 20 21 and it was really um, what I think a lot of people go through is first time you're in a relationship first time you're in love or think you're in love um, it doesn't go the way you plan for one reason or another you blame yourself you blame the other person you blame other people um, but I think when you're young and you don't really see the potential you have maybe to create and build things in your own right and in your, your own name if you get attached to another person, it can kind of feel like the end of the world. So I think for me, it felt like the end of the world. It felt like if you never felt the way you felt before when it comes to intimacy and love, you know, it's hard to consider there's other fish in the sea. Um, but I think it was just the unknown and the uncertainty is what caused me to fracture. Um, people not wanting to be around you because you're talking about the same thing over and over again because um, you're you're living it out over and over um, but I think 
my first psychotic break was also caused because the early signs that something was wrong with me mentally were starting to show. And I didn't recognize them. Other people didn't recognize them. Um, and when you're in a space like that, the situation could just metastasize and get out of control by the time you realize that you need to get professional psychological help. How did you arrive mentally and emotionally at a point where you not only wanted to harm yourself, but others as well? I went to the place of wanting to hurt myself and hurt other people multiple times. Um, and I'll be frank, sometimes I think people just snap. I think anybody can. But other times I think it just builds up because, um, ironically, because of how much you care about people, it hurts worse. I mean, and I think that just goes for anyone. So when people close to you are the ones that are being malicious, being petty, um, using, you know, whatever they can against you. It can kind of, um, I think for some individuals like myself, it just feels like you don't have any options in terms of retaliation. Um, some people are good with words. Other people aren't. Some people are good with their fists. Other people aren't. So we all, we all, you know, fight or flight. We react to things differently. Um, I know me as a person, I have a tendency to tell myself people do foul things because they're not afraid of the consequences. So that kind of reinforces violence in my mind, unfortunately. It's something that comforts me, but I know that it subconsciously is reinforcing uh, me arriving at that violent place. But also, I think another way some people get there, at least with me, is by thinking that I can get away with it by hurting other people. And that's the difference between a lot of... Some people want to do stuff for show. With me, I would sit around and think about how to do terrible things and get away with it and continue on living my life. Um, and that's probably, I guess, just the build-up. Besides the, the things I just mentioned, just the build-up is probably not being able to cope, not being able to manage the things, the thoughts in your mind. It just kind of eats away at you. Some people get over things. Some people vent on social media, and then they're good. Some people will embarrass you or tell your secrets, and then they're good. Um, but everyone doesn't get over things. Uh, a good um, example I give people is when you watch a movie, it's, an, it's a revenge story. That movie may have taken place over the course of 20 years, and it's not until the last moment of this two-hour film that, you know, this maybe this person gets revenge, or maybe they don't. But in real life, that 20 years is a long time. That story's not told in two hours. So some people hold on to things, and they internalize things. Um, it, you know, talking to myself about things constantly, over and over, because no one else wants to talk to me about my pain. So you start talking to yourself about it. Maybe not out loud, but in your head. You, you kind of become your your biggest fan, your biggest hype man, you begin to validate wherever your moral compass is starting to lean. So I think it, it, I arrived there because maybe I didn't have enough people able to see through the mental distress. Maybe some people just, I don't know, walked away. It was too much to deal with. I don't blame peop other people for it. I just think it was a combination of 
not having the access to the proper help for a while, um, and also trying to cope in ways that weren't the best, like using marijuana, and maybe at, at times drinking as well to try and cope. So that that kind of goes into the next question I was going to ask you. So you you might just end up elaborating on what you what you ended that with. But I was going to say, with it sounding like you you don't have or didn't have a lot of people showing up for you, how did you go about quelling those feelings of violence toward others and yourself? Um, in terms of getting rid of those thoughts and those feelings, it's weird, but I kind of, to get past it, I had to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And I essentially embraced that the reason I was feeling these things is because there were certain people in certain situations that were causing that, at least for me. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things whether that perception that I had was correct. But for me, in my truth, I felt certain people in certain situations were what was causing it. And so... Once I looked at it that way, I accepted that I wanted to be violent, and I didn't shame myself. I didn't self-shame myself for being violent, because when people do good things to you, you want to do good things for them. You want to do good things to them. So I think it's just kind of residual of how we treat each other. But what it helped me realize is that um, the moment I got away from the people in the situations, those thoughts would be gone right away. Whereas I felt if I tried to focus on this isn't the right thing to do, you shouldn't feel this way. Don't think those those terrible things. It just kind of snowballed into me trying to find a way on which I had a moral high ground. And so that that's essentially how I got out of it. There were a lot of things I did that didn't work. Marijuana, alcohol, um, uh, disappearing for months or almost a year maybe mm-hmm. you know social media from my phone um, so I, but I, I think probably just accepting that I wanted to be violent and not placing blame on myself not necessarily placing blame on other people but just doing the math that's really the, the easiest thing in life is just do the math in the situation. If you plus another person or situation is drama, subtract yourself. And then that drama can no longer exist. But if you remain there, whether it's by force or by your own will, the situation is going to persist. So I, I know for you, you removed yourself physically. You no longer live where you used to live as far as your healing has that been the the biggest healing factor for you is no longer being in the space with those people that you existed in before are you in a much better place mentally and emotionally because you separated yourself um i think the biggest factor in terms of me healing is probably moving away. I began to distance myself from certain people maybe several months before that happened and no one really knew. 
um, that I was leaving kind of until it happened. I mean, a few people knew. But um, I think when you move to a new place, you get overwhelmed with new scenery, new people, new ideas, new energy. And so that can kind of like just push out a lot of negative vibes from your past life or your former life. Um, definitely. But it's, I don't know, I, I think it, it was just a bunch of new things I had to deal with. And so maybe I didn't necessarily forget all that happened, but those memories now had to share a new space with this new life. How do you go about, oh, let me phrase this differently. What does self-love and self-care look like for you on a daily basis? Self-love and self-care for me on a daily basis um, its much different than when I was younger. I think that's the case for everyone. But for me right now, it's a matter of taking time to myself whenever I need to and not being ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Another part of it is being okay with whatever my truths are mm-hmm. um, and just living that out because life's not promised, you know. So, I mean, self-care is, is a million ways to answer that, but basically taking the time for yourself that you need. If that means maybe you need to pass pass up on going out with your friends as often or, I don't know, maybe you... You spend more time working out. Whatever it is that you have to do, I just think it's giving yourself that that personal time because we're all too connected right now. If you talk to someone in an older generation, they don't spend a lot of time on social media. If you want to level with them, if you want to have an impactful moment with them, nine times out of ten it's on the phone or it's in person. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of people in my age bracket now, a lot of their biggest emotional moments now are online on the internet you don't even see the person you know right there in front of you and i just think we too many people are you know validated by social media that attention you lose sight of you know how much you can accomplish psychologically and spiritually by just being alone just going for a walk by yourself going hiking i mean you can walk through a busy city with headphones on listening to whatever music you want and just feel your own energy. Everyone wants to feel their own energy and how it relates to other people and that chemical reaction. That it's addictive, that's fun, that's great. But sometimes you gotta you gotta dig deeper into yourself. So I think just making time is probably the best way I can express how I have self care and self love right now is making that time at any cost, being willing to sacrifice fun or things I, you know, would rather be doing maybe. Sometimes I don't want to be alone, but I take that time because it helps me reflect. And finally, I know during the earlier part of your conversation, the lack of space that was made for you by your peers where you lived before had an impact on you with where you are now is it enough for you to show up for yourself or has there been space made for you where you are now 
by others? I think since moving to LA, I've had people, I guess, make space for me. I don't know that I have a terrible amount of friends here, but I think the few that I've made, I think are genuinely good people. I think I can, spiritually, I can see through them and I just see positivity. I don't see anything clouded or veiled. So that comforts me. Um, I think I still am pretty much a loner more often than not, uh, just because I feel like it keeps me safe. But I don't know. I, I do think people here have made space for me. I, I am able to be more open about my psychological distress and issues here. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do think the weather is a big, big factor. Mm-hmm. The vibe, the energy here is much better. I mean, people can go out and look nice almost every day of the year. Can feel good. You don't have to worry about rain. And I mean, I know that sounds like it's trivial, but it's 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 different when you don't have to worry about you know, like I said, the weather or or snow or just the whole. I got to commute and snow for the next nine months. All that stuff is kind of gone. So I do think people are in better spirits here. Yeah. The entertainment industry is here. So. I don't think it's trivial at all. But, I mean, of course, you know, there, there are many people who are listening. But for me, I completely understand where you're coming from because I am someone who's affected by weather, you know. It can play a huge part in how my mood shifts. So with you saying that, you're about to make a comment about rain. And I'm like, no, not really having a lot of that <laughs> definitely can play a part in your mood, you know. It's interesting that you mentioned um, the weather affecting your mood because I actually, um, I was going off on a rant on Kanye West recently mm-hmm. um, just about his mental illness. I felt a lot of it was feigned. And someone actually commented, I, I'm angry now because I forget the condition, but it's a mental condition. It's a form of... I think it's a form of bipolar disorder where it's seasonal. It actually comes and goes with the seasons. Um, and I, and I, I looked it up, and it was really, really deep. I'm going to try and find it and, and, and maybe send it to you later. But it's interesting that because it's an actual medical condition um, where people kind of bouts of depression that coincide with um, the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on the climate as well, I think. But it was really, really interesting because I never really... I know that I'm a very researched person when it comes to mental illness and I have the tendency sometimes to doubt what people are going through or feel that it's a cry for help. Um, and when I saw that, I said, man, this kind of just gives me a whole another level to consider because that's not something that I've ever experienced. Right. You know, rainy day is going to irritate me if I can't do what I want to do. But I don't. I think a lot of my stress is tied purely to chemical problems in my mind and then emotional problems in real life, but never the weather. So that's that's extremely interesting to me. Absolutely. (laughs) Things show up for people in many different ways. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for taking the time to to share your journey and your story with our misfits. Well, you're welcome, Mom. It's been a pleasure. It's of great importance that we take care of ourselves. 
that we understand how necessary self-love and self-care truly are. Embrace the fullness of who you are, and then fight like hell to be your best self. Your mental health matters. You matter. Thank you to Jarrell for sharing his story. And thank you to all of you in the Misfit Universe for listening. Check out yesterday's episode with Toshiba Martin and also episode 45, which kicked off this bipolar series. Make sure to tweet your feedback with the hashtags Let's Get Healed and THS Podcast. So until the next episode, I love you all. Namaste.